Amen. Thank you. Our, part of our band from Bristol Road Congregation. Appreciate them coming over this morning. We are looking at passages in the book of Acts. So if you have your Bibles, uh, turn to the book of Acts chapter 2. Today we looked last Sunday at the day of Pentecost and the meaning of Pentecost and where the Holy Spirit came and filled all the disciples and they spoke with languages that are all mentioned in Acts chapter 2 uh, in beginning in verse 8 and going through verse 11. Those are all languages in which they spoke. By the way, I think we have uh, CDs, and uh, also you can get that sermon online if you need to catch up with us. But uh, last Sunday was the day of Pentecost. Well, today we're going to begin in verse 14 of chapter 2, where Peter stands up and seeks to explain uh, what has happened here on the day of Pentecost. And he says in verse 14, Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted his voice and addressed them and said, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. These people are not drunk. They, They thought they were drunk. They are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered or spoken through the prophet Joel. That's verse 16. Verse 17 through 21, Peter quotes the prophet Joel. Verse 17, In the last days it shall be, God says, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and old men will dream dreams. Verse 18, even on my male servants and female servants, I will pour out my spirit and they will prophesy. Let's stop right there for a moment. This is the first sermon of the Christian church. And Peter, it's his first sermon he ever preached, so far as we know. Uh, Just six weeks ago, you remember, he had uh, denied Christ three times. He seems to have recovered. And it's interesting also that he's using as his text the Old Testament. Amen. I like it already. Based on an Old Testament passage, Peter is explaining the Pentecostal experience of Acts chapter 2. And he says, this is just as Joel the prophet said, that in the last days, verse 17, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, not just the priests or the kings, but everyone may have the Holy Spirit. I think we would do well to begin with this idea of the last days. To understand what Peter is saying here. What does he mean by the last days? And let me just uh, 
put it to you like this. Peter is talking about the last days of Old Covenant Israel, the Old Testament age. He is talking about, Joel predicted, that there would come an end to the law of Moses and the priesthood and the temple sacrifices. And Peter says, the, what we are now experiencing with the Holy Spirit poured out on all flesh is the end, it's the final days of the old covenant age. We have, I, I put a little graph together. Do we have that graph to show? <clears throat> um, you pull a graph up. There we go. There we go. All right. The old covenant age from Moses to Christ. And by old covenant, when they came out of Egypt, they went up on Mount Sinai and made a covenant with God. It includes the Ten Commandments as well as a host of other commandments, about 600 and some commandments. Includes circumcision. Includes the building of the temple. Includes the, includes the sacrificial system. Uh, Leviticus has all kinds of sacrifices you can bring for forgiveness of sins. If you wanted to know God, that's how you knew God. You came to the Old Covenant people and you brought your sacrifice. You got circumcised and you took on the yoke of the law of Moses. Well, then comes Christ who dies for our sins. And from Christ to 70 A.D. I see the A.D. is over here on this side. From Christ to 70 A.D., is 40 years. That's the last days of Old Covenant Israel. Because see, actually during uh, uh, Peter's sermon, the temple is still functioning. And it functions right up to 70 AD when the Romans came in and destroyed everything. And when the Romans destroyed it, the temple was never rebuilt. And today, if you go to Jerusalem, you'll see the, uh, the Dome of the Rock. Can you pull up uh, that picture of the, the Dome of the Rock? This is where the Temple Mount was supposed to have been, and that's a Muslim mosque. It's been there since 600 A.D. for 1,500, 1,600 years nearly. It's been there. And the only part that's left of old Jerusalem is down here in the corner on the, wet, the wailing wall where the Jews go and they take a little piece of paper, they write a prayer on it, and they stick it on the wall. And that's the only thing left. It's as close to the temple as they are ever going to get for a while. There, the wall that once surrounded the temple, not part of the temple, but the wall that surrounded it. That has been in existence since 70 A.D. 
Now the last days is that period of time from which when Jesus came, was baptized by John, the Jordan, about 30 A.D., up to 70 A.D., 40 years, 40 years as a generation. And here's what Jesus said in Matthew 23. You serpents and vipers, how will you escape hell? I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of you will kill and crucify and flog in synagogues and persecute from town to town. And on you will come all the righteous blood shed on the earth or the land, land of Israel. Truly I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. This generation. He also describes it in Luke 21 when he said, When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, talking to his disciples and referring to Titus, the Roman general who came in with 80,000 troops and wiped out the city in 70 AD. He said, When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, know the desolation is near, Luke 21, 21. Then let those in Judea flee to the mountains. Those inside the city depart. If you're in the country, don't go back in. These are days of vengeance to fulfill all written. And he says, There will be great distress on the earth and wrath against His people. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive among all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by Gentiles till the times of Gentiles are full. So this is the story. These are the descriptions of the last days. And then give me Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Hebrews chapter 1, 1 and 2. Notice this. Long ago and many times, in many ways, God spoke to the fathers by prophets. That's Old Covenant. That's Old Testament. But now note, but in these last days, He spoke by His Son. When Jesus came, that triggered that period of time that the Bible calls the last days. Now I know that a lot of people call, uh, refer to our last days. That's not what Peter's talking about. Peter is addressing Jews. Did you notice that? Uh, verse, in Acts 2 verse 14, Peter standing up with the eleven lifted his voice and said, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem... This is what is the last days for them. It's the last days of the Old Covenant. It's the last days of the nation of Israel as the people of God. They have a nation today, but it's not a covenant nation. In other words, it's not they did not come together to form a people of God. They came together to form a political and military nation like any other nation in the earth. In the Old Testament age, if you wanted to know God, what did you do? Well, what did Ruth do? Do you remember Ruth? In chapter 1, verse 16, she was a Moabite. And she said to her mother-in-law, Naomi, who was Jewish, 
She said, Ruth 1.16, Do not urge me to leave you or return from following you, for where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. See, that's a conversion of a Moabite to Judaism. If you wanted to know God, Israel had to be your people. That your people will be my people. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I you had to go to the land of Israel. And you had to be have sacrifices like any of the other Israelites. This was in the old covenant. But Peter is saying those days are numbered. The, if you want to know God today, you don't get on a, a plane and fly over to modern day Jerusalem and ask to see a rabbi. And ask, if you say, what must I do to be saved? You would get all kinds of answers, none of which would satisfy the soul. But now God has poured out His Spirit upon all flesh and He has given it through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let's look at a a couple of verses that are more problematic here as we're looking at these ideas the last days. Look down at verse 19 and 20. Verse 19 and 20. He says, and remember, Joel said, there's coming a day when this would happen. And Peter says, this is that day. All right, verse 19. I will show wonders in the heavens above. Wonders in the heavens above. Were there wonders in the heavens during the period of 30 A.D. to 70 A.D.? And the answer is yes. Uh, one writer, Gary DeMar, mentions several comets that appeared in Jesus' day. For example, Halley's Comet, referenced in Josephus, the historian, and this happened in 66 AD. Also, there's that story of the star in Matthew chapter 2, verse 10. Remember the wise men from the east? They saw this star, and it says... They, it went before them and rested over the place where the baby Jesus lay. And when they saw the star, they re- rejoiced with great joy. There were these signs in the heavens, astronomical uh, abnormalities. Then also in verse 19, he says, There will be signs, uh, signs on the earth below. And any of the signs, the resurrection, the earthquake during the crucifixion, uh, there were signs on the earth below. In fact, if you want uh, one particular uh, amazing event of Matthew, uh, he records this in when Jesus was resurrected. Just listen to this verse. I don't think I I have this on the screen, but 
Matthew 27, 51, the curtain of the temple was torn from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rocks split open and the tombs were open and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were resurrected and came out of the tombs after His resurrection went into the holy city, Jerusalem, and appeared to many. I'd call that pretty amazing. Somebody asked me one time, and said, is that like a zombie apocalypse? You've got Old Testament saints resurrecting at His resurrection, walking around in the city, talking to relatives. Grandma, is that you? It's, a, it's amazing things happened in this first century. It's Matthew 27, 52 and 53. So there were signs on the earth. And then he says, blood and fire and vapor of smoke, verse 19. Those, those things would go with any destruction of any city. Blood and fire and the vapors of smoke, plumes of smoke going up. That's simply a, a description of the destruction of the city, and that would be destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. But then verse 20. The sun will be turned to darkness, and the moon will be turned to blood. Now, let me say a few words about sun, moon, and stars in the Old Testament. God made the sun, moon, and stars to, to... We know He made them in order to give light. But Genesis 1.14 says this, Let there be lights in the heavens to separate day from night, and let them be for signs and for seasons. Or let them be for symbol. Symbols of What? They're not just to give light. God made sun, moon, and stars in order to be symbolic of His people. Did you know that? Because they give light. They bear witness. Men navigate by the stars. So in the Old Testament, Israel was the sun, moon, and stars in the dark night of paganism. Listen to Genesis 37 where Joseph has a dream and the sun and moon and stars were bowing down to him. Well, he tells his father, who's the father Jacob or Israel of the 12 tribes, he says to him, I saw the sun, moon, and stars bowing down to me. And Jacob says this, Genesis 37, 10. Shall I and your mother and your brothers bow down on the ground to you? He understood that his family was a sun, moon, and stars. That they were a light-bearing unit. Because sun, moon, and stars is not only for light, literally, but it is to show symbolically that God puts lights in the earth. And in the Old Testament, it was the children of Israel. I had a conversation some years ago with a young man 
And I learned recently he had decided to become a Roman Catholic. And the verse that he gave was Revelation 12, 1 and 2, because he said he's talking about Mary. And uh, do we have Revelation 12, 1 and 2? Um, a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and on the head, 12 stars. And she brought forth a child, a male child who was caught up to the throne of God. Now, so this young man said, that has to be Mary because she brought forth Jesus. Ah, not so. Because notice, she's clothed with the, twelve, with the sun, moon, and stars. Twelve stars, to be exact, twelve tribes of Israel. This is Israel producing the Messiah. It's not Mary. You see, sometimes we don't know the Bible, and so based on that, we make big decisions. When, so when Peter says here, the sun is going to be turned to darkness and the moon to blood, what is he saying? He's saying, these are the last days of Israel. Your light is going to be put out. Your sun is going to set. It's the last days. You ever heard anybody say, I punched his lights out? It means he went into what we would call Cognitive unawareness, I think, would be one way of putting it. Or that song that they sang years ago. Y'all, I don't know if y'all even heard of this. The night that the lights went out in Georgia. You ever heard that? Southerners, are ye? Used to be a quartet called the Chuck Wagon Gang. <laughs> Uh, I'm dating myself here. But they used to have a song called, well, it went like the I'm not going to sing it. But it went, life's evening sun is sinking low. A few more days and I must go. It, it, it wasn't a happy song. <laughs> this is the this is song. To meet the deeds that I have done and there there will be no setting sun. That's symbolic language. He means, I'm about to die. I'm about to be judged. <laughs> That's basically what the song is saying. Life's evening sun is sinking low. Peter is saying to the nation of Israel and to the Jewish priests who were listening, thousands of them gathered around. He's saying, your sun is about to be put out. Your position as a light bearer in the earth is going to be eclipsed because now there's a new covenant. The old one will be put away. There's a new priesthood, a new temple called the church. There's, going to be, there's, a, a, there's a different sacrifice that God's accepting now, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. All these other sacrifices are going to be dismissed and have no effect. It's the last days of Old Covenant Israel. The lights will be removed of the Old Covenant age, the nation of Israel. It will be, in a word, decreated. Decreated. Remember when God made the 
the old, the earth, he, the first thing he did is he said, let there be light. One of the first things he did, let there be light. And he made the sun, moon, and stars. That's the creation. Well, God's saying, your sun is going down. You're going to be decreated. You will no longer exist as a nation. Now, as I mentioned, that there is a nation of Israel, but it's a political nation. It's not a nation where you go to know God. The, Matthew 21, 43, he said, I'm going to take the kingdom from you and give it to another nation, which will bring forth the fruits of it. That's the people of God in the new covenant, even His church. So Peter is giving, sounding a warning here. This past week on my street, I was sitting in my chair on my phone. It wasn't quite dark. And all of a sudden the power went out. And I mean, total eclipse. And what do you do when the power goes out? Well, there's no TV, there's no computer, there's no cooking, there's no reading, there's no writing. I was just sitting there. Because in the dark, if you have no light, there's nothing to do. So I got up and went where there was light. You know what Peter, how Peter concludes this sermon? Verse 21. It shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the way he concludes the text of Joel. Wait. You mean you don't have to bring a sacrifice? No. Call on the name of the Lord. You don't have to keep the law of Moses? No. Call on the name of the Lord. I don't have to submit to the priest who were descendants of Aaron? No, call on the name of the Lord. Whoever just calls on the name of the Lord. I don't have to cross the Jordan and go into the land of Israel? No, just whoever wants to be saved, just call on the name of the Lord. What an amazing change into the new covenant age and the gospel age. How simple, how gracious, how merciful, how sweet and beautiful Peter's announcement on how to be saved in the new covenant. Just ask him. Come before him and just put your request before a gracious, merciful God because the sacrifice has already been done. Just come and ask Him. And that's what I would call on you to do today. If you do not know Him, if you need to be saved, if you need to be strengthened and helped, call on the name of the Lord. That's what Peter ends up saying. That's the conclusion he reaches. Because this old covenant period the sun is going down on it. It's seen its best days. It's in the last days. But if you want to be saved today, just call on the name of the Lord. Amen. I'll ask our ushers to come now. And let's just uh, give to God an offering. 
in this new covenant age of grace. And as we give and as we pray and as they lead us in a final song, let's worship Him. Just worship Him and call upon His name. Bow with me. Let's ask God's blessing on the offering. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for letting us live in the gospel age. Thank You for the blessing of the new covenant age. Thank You that Jesus is our sun and shield and He is our stars and moon and He has brought light to us. And we thank You for that. And out of joy and out of gratitude for what You've done for us, we now give and worship You with our offerings. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.